It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study tonight for Thursday, October thirteenth, two thousand eleven. We're live and we're ready to go. We appreciate you for listening to the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, you said we're live and ready to go. We hope we're ready to go. We had some oh, we're live. technical problems there and had to rush. We're a little late getting started, but uh, hopefully our listeners are hanging, hanging, hanging by, waiting for the program to start, and we should be ready to go now. We're ready to go now, and uh, we appreciate uh, you for being uh, ready to study along with us. We hope you have your Bibles and you're ready to turn them uh, open and uh, study from God's Word with us as we begin an exciting program studying and discussing God's Word with our listeners from around the world. Dad, an interesting topic planned for tonight. Jacob, we're going to talk about Mormonism tonight. Uh, that's a subject we've dealt with in the past. In fact, in the past, we've tried to get some Mormons to join us on the Virtual Bible Study, and they've always declined our invitations. But they've been in the news again just this last week because of the presidential uh, campaigns that are underway, especially in the Republican side. Two of the Potential Republican candidates for president are Mormons. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Mitt Romney and mm-hmm. John Huntsman. Mitt Romney, former governor of Massachusetts. John Huntsman, former governor of Utah. Both are Mormons. M- Mitt Romney is the front runner, and therefore he's been under the greatest attack. We're not here to talk politics tonight. Oh, okay. But what happened was another candidate. Rick Perry, who's the governor of Texas, also running for the Republican nomination for president, he was introduced at a at a meeting last week by a, a denominational pastor named Jeffers, and in in his introduction, this Jeffers man, we had a video clip we were going to try to show, but we just uh, we just had too many technical difficulties to get it going. But in his introduction of Rick Perry, the, this denominational pastor said. He's a genuine Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, later they asked him what did he mean by that, and he didn't hold back. He came right out and said that Mormons are a cult, and he had specific reference to Mitt Romney being a Mormon. He says he's a good man, but he's a member of a cult. And so, that, I mean, that, that caused a great firestorm of reaction. Okay. Uh, and so it, it serves as a good perhaps springboard for us to discuss Mormonism again and to analyze the question of what is a cult, what constitute a cult, and then do the Mormons fit that description of a cult. So that's our topic for tonight. All right. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. No politics on the program, though, right? We can't. We're not going to talk about, we're talking about well, tax reform or anything like that? No, we're not going to talk uh, presidential politics except, no, let let me get to the update questions that I asked, Jacob, because there's one of them that could be viewed as a political question, and I don't intend it that way, so I, I need to okay. clarify. All right. To our update list earlier today, I sent out these uh, questions for your consideration and for feedback. And we've got quite a bit of feedback tonight, and we're looking for more. If you uh, haven't answered yet, please answer by email or get in the chat room and give us a response. 
Ask these questions to our update list. You can always get on the update list by sending us a, a message, an email message to questions at collegeview.com. Put in the subject line, add me to the list, and we will do it. Here were the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, what are the identifying characteristics of a cult? Yes. Number two, not including Mormonism, what are some modern-day examples of cults? Oh, okay. Three, does Mormonism fit the characteristics of a cult? Okay. Number four, cult or not, what are the fundamental flaws of Mormonism? That's that's politics, right? There. No, no. no oh, we're, we're still talking about okay. Mormonism. Okay. What's, what are the flaws right. of Mormonism? I mean, whether you call it a cult or not, what's wrong with Mormonism? Okay. Now, here's the question oh, that could the be could be considered p- political. Would you vote for a presidential oh. candidate who is a Mormon? Why or why not? Now, we're not asking you to analyze the politics of Mitt Romney or John Huntsman or any other political candidate. I'm just asking the generic question. You got a fellow running for president, and he is a Mormon. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable voting for him? Not, not with, with no regard. We're not asking anything about how he stands on economics or or national defense or uh, world trade or anything like that. Just on on the basis of him being a Mormon, would you feel comfortable voting for him, knowing he's a Mormon? Okay. Let's say his politics were perfect, but he's a Mormon. Would you vote for him? That's the question we want. So to you're not with. talking politics. We're you're not talking, talking about. It. We're talking. We're really talking about the religious affiliation of people and whether or not uh, such a person would be suitable to serve. Uh, we whether we could vote for them to serve as the president of the United States. The number to call is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. The email address is questions at collegeu.com. And if you are listening to us live uh, on the program tonight, this October thirteenth, two thousand eleven. To the right of your video window is a chat window with listeners there from Kentucky, from Indiana, from Tennessee, and some others filing in as well probably. So join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. It's easy to do. No personal information is required, and it is free. We look forward to you joining the chat room tonight. All right. Uh, We're glad for everybody who's listening. We want your participation. Get busy in the chat room. Uh, I don't know, Jacob, I was, I was looking at something else. Did you give them the the rundown on how to participate there? We the did. Chair? We've got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I did, I did. you log in at the bottom of the window. The easiest way to do it is to sign in via chat roll, and it'll pop up a little window. You give yourself an alias or give yourself your real name, and uh, you're ready to go. You can sign in with your Facebook account as well. Uh, it's very easy to do. Give it a try and join in with other listeners. All right. Well, let's go to this first uh, question as to what are the identifying characteristics of a cult. We've got some feedback on that. Mike in Indiana has has commented, and uh, Mike's in the chat he's room. He's in tonight. the chat room, so Mike, you might add some additional he's clarification uh, if, on these comments that you've written. He says, "What are the identifying characteristics of a cult?" This is an interesting question that I've pondered for some time. Depending on whose view you take, anyone could be considered a cult. So I've asked myself, what is the proper way to define it? Of course, those of us who are members of the Church of Christ would not consider ourselves a cult, but others do. Uh, And he references a website, JesusIsSavior.com, that has an article about the Church of Christ and says, quote, the Church of Christ is a false religion because it's wrong on the essential biblical plan of salvation. It goes on to condemn the position of those who would claim that baptism is essential salvation. And the article concludes with a plea saying, quote, please leave the Church of Christ cult if you've been entangled in their doctrinal trap. Mm. So by this definition, the Church of Christ is a cult. 
So, back to the question, what is a cult? Could I be so bold as to challenge our minds to define it by saying the meaning is synonymous with any denomination or sect that strays from the doctrine of the Bible? In essence, what is the difference between a denomination or a Mormon or even a church of Christ that teaches and practices error? The end result is that they are lost. Lost is lost, is it not? So in my humble definition, a cult is simply a derogatory term used to describe a group who does not have the truth or practice it in obedient faith from a sincere heart. I believe John defines cult or denominations in this way. 1 John 2, 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. 1 John 4, 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay. Uh, I appreciate everything that Mike has had to say there. I do think he's right in regards to the fact that this term cult is often thrown out as a derogatory sort of term. Sort mudslinging type yeah. of thing. And, and we know, as he points out, that churches of Christ have been called cults plenty of times. I mean, that's uh, not unusual. Do you remember back uh, a few years ago when the, here in Tennessee a preacher's wife shot him to death? Yeah. And then she fled and was later caught and tried, yeah. found innocent of murdering her husband. Uh, but in the coverage of all that, several times the Church of Christ was called a cult. Yeah. And so that's a term that gets thrown around. Uh, and Mike has given some thoughts along that line. We've got some more answers, Jacob. All right. Uh, Larry in uh, Kentucky says a cult is uh, misfocused on a living leader who members seem to display excessively zealous, unquestioning commitment. He goes on, a cult is preoccupied in making money, uh, and so uh, that's good. Anthony is behind the controls tonight. Anthony, uh, you have chimed in the chat room as well with your take on a cult. Yeah, I think you know. I, I think it's it's a it's probably a, a complicated definition, as, as we've said. Different people had different definitions, but I think uh, you can't really have a cult, technically speaking, without some sort of charismatic leader. Um, and I was just giving some examples like, you know, David Koresh down in Waco and the, the Branch Davidians or whatever they were called. Yeah. And, you know, as an example. So, uh, the that charismatic leader. Yeah, right. And that doesn't really fit the Church of Christ. There, there is no single leader, um, like that. So I would be hesitant to use that term. All right, uh, uh, MTP guest as a cult, as, as a living leader who personally directs the members. And uh, Larry adds, if you question or doubt or dissent, you will be punished. And in cults, members are required to live and or socialize only with other group members. All right. I think I think we're on to several of the characteristics of cults. In those comments, uh, Stephen, uh, I believe Stephen's in Georgia. Am I right on that, Jacob? I think Stephen is in Georgia. He says, a cult uses biblical terminology but ascribes definitions not in keeping with sound fundamental exegesis as to context, culture, and idioms used in that day and time. Whoa. An outward manifestation of a cult can be seen in the similarity to dress, hairstyles, commune living, and so forth. Uh, such as Mormon elders all riding bikes, dressed alike, same age group, and so on. Hmm. So he sa- sees some of those characteristics are common in a cult. All right. Uh, uh, go ahead. Chris is also in Georgia, and uh, he says Webster's defines a cult as a formal religious veneration, uh, that is worship, a system of religious beliefs and ritual, also its body of adherence. Man, that's so that's, that's so general, good. though, that as... W- 
as someone said already, almost anybody could be called a cult. I think I think we're going to find there isn't a rigid definition right. of what a cult is. According to these definitions, pretty much any religious body, us included, would be considered a cult. That is why I really do not care for labels, in particular the term cult. The way I understand Scripture is you are either a Christian or lost, according to Chris. Okay, I, I, I'm very sympathetic with your thoughts there, Chris. Uh, our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says... There are many identifying characteristics of a cult, but they, but here are some which all agree upon. One, a cult differs radically from what are conceived to be the fundamental beliefs of the mainstream of religious thought. A cult is centered around a specific authority figure and his teachings or interpretations. A cult looks to some extra-biblical source of authority, perhaps a set of writings it regards as equally authoritative and inspired as the Bible for guidance. A cult conceives of itself as being the one true faith and the exclusive possessor of the truth. A cult is closed-minded to the extent that it is uninterested in hearing what outsiders have to say or even unwilling to admit the possibility of being instructed by them. A cult is possessed with a missionary zeal to propagate its message. A cult enforces a radical alteration in lifestyle which may involve subordination of every aspect of the individual's life to the control of the cult. A cult possesses a personal antagonism toward outsiders. And finally, a cult has a goal that is physical or earthly in nature relating to things that are near, visible, and tangible. Thank you. Really good, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Jim. Larry adds, uh, in a cult, uh, leaders tell members to withhold truth from outsiders Larry also says a cult practices absolutism. They insist on total unquestioning obedience and submission to the group, both actions and thoughts. And uh, Mike uh, in Orleans, Indiana, says we're often criticized for being unorthodox and thus a cult, but isn't anything that is not biblical unorthodox. That would include anyone not in line with the truth. Right. I think that's right. Uh, I've, I've got some notes here. One one. Uh, counselor who has been involved i think in counseling those involved in cults suggested a, a seven point test and several of these things coincide with all, what have already been said but i think what we're seeing jacob is that this, it's, it's a little hard to pin down a specific definition right. here but there are several things that are overlapping in all these comments here's what this fellow said cults are governed by an imposter okay are characterized by deception uh Let's, let, let me see if I can illustrate these points as we go. Governed by an imposter. You know, he, the, the guy thinks he declares himself to be a special man of God. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, maybe he has special connection with God in mm-hmm. one way or another. Characterized by deception. They often make wild, even weird claims and tell lies. Do you remember a few years ago... Uh, when there was a comet passing through our part of the solar Honor, system. Anthony, you remember that? What yeah. was the name of it? Uh, it was the Hellbop it, comet. It was, the, yes. it was Heaven's Gate, yeah. oh, Marshall yeah. Applegate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they wore Nikes and black suits or something, yeah. and they all yeah. killed themselves. Yeah. And they said that there was a spaceship traveling in the tail of that comet. Uh, if you remember, they, that, that was their claim. I mean, weird claim. So, so they're governed by an imposter, characterized by deception. They use coercion. You obey the leader or there's strict punishment involved. They propagate a human doctrine because they, they claim that they have extra biblical information. Something's been revealed to them more so than what we read just in our Bibles. They utilize 
isolation. Often these cults, you know, uh, have a, a, a communal existence in a walled-off uh, compound. We remember uh, the the David Koresh cult you mentioned, uh, Anthony, in Waco, Texas. Uh, they had a 77-acre compound 15 miles from anywhere. Wow. So they were out in the middle of nowhere. That's typical. So that's the isolationism. They suppress independent thought. You're not allowed to question. Uh, you're not allowed to argue with the leader. Uh, and they offer an uncertain hope. Uh, they take away uh, relationships. They, they, they try to break people out of their families. They take away freedom and dignity. Uh, there's just there's, there's a, a very uncertain existence in a cult. So those are some of the things that this one individual suggested. Well, we need to take a break. Um, and uh, when we get back from the break, we'll continue the discussion. Is uh, the, the Mormon church a cult? Maybe some others might have some modern-day examples of what they believe cults again. We'll get to Maybe that. Maybe a little vague definition, but yeah. uh, what you believe would be characterized as a cult today. We'll take a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Attitudes determine actions. You are not what you think you are, what you think you are. Well done is better than well said. We are either masters or the victims of our attitudes. It is a matter of personal choice, blessing or curse. Man is the only known creature that can reshape and remold himself by altering his attitude. Man, I wish I'd said that. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We appreciate you for uh, joining us on the program tonight as we talk about cults and we consider the Mormon church and ask if they are a cult as well. You've asked some Mormons to be a part of the program in the past. I can't get anybody to agree. That might be one of the characteristics of a cult. It could be. You may not be honest up there, but to, now that's sort of interesting. Would you, if someone asked you to be on a Mormon broadcast to talk about the church you're a member of, would you? Agree? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Would you? Would you be reluctant? No. Scared? No. I'd be anxious and and and, and enthused to have that opportunity. The Mormons aren't the only ones who refuse to to comment though when we contact them. So yeah. All right. All right. So uh, and we're getting and if you're in, we got several people in the chat room and a lot of them are giving some good information. There's an and, Amish person, according to Anthony, that started a cult. Yeah, I was reading. It was actually in our local paper. It was an AP article about a guy. Um, I don't recall. Maybe up in Pennsylvania or something. Who who got mad at the the greater Amish community there and started his own kind of had his own followers that are following him and he's he's. Um, I don't know. He's got his own ideas, and the, but the the headline was talking about how he was ordering um, hair cuttings. He was he was his followers were I don't know how they were doing this. Maybe with people in their sleep, but they were going around and shaving beards off of I heard the about other that members in the news. and things like that. Yeah. It's very sad. I heard about that in the news. Well, okay. 
uh, we're getting a lot of good uh, comments in the well, chat room. There's a lot of definitions. Yeah. yeah, definitions. We can't keep up with them all, but uh, I think that what we've said and many of the comments overlapped, uh, and we got some good feedback there, and uh, so we, we've kind of suggested at least some of the things that identify a cult. Maybe the the best way to identify what we mean by cult is to speak of some that have been in the news in, within our remembrance. And we asked that question, not including Mormonism. What are some modern-day examples? Let's hear it in the cults. chat room if you've got any ideas on that. Well, I see uh, Mike uh, mentions Warren Jeffs, well, he who was, was a, a fundamentalist Mormon. Yeah, from Mormon. Larry mentions Jim Jones. Remember the Jim Jones cult in Guyana? Mm-hmm. And when they and when some went down there to investigate it, I think including a U.S. congressman, they killed them, and then they all committed suicide. They drank the poison Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Poison Kool-Aid. That mm-hmm. was Jim Jones in Guyana. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, Stephen suggests Kabbalah, Christian scientists. Oh, the Kabbalah. That's sort of that. That's the but the. All the celebrities are going to, isn't it? Well, that's a form of Judaism, isn't it? Yeah, but it's sort of kind of a. Uh, yeah, uh, what, what do you got? Yeah, Anthony? I think Madonna is a, is the most famous follower of Kabbalah. Yeah, um, it sort of rhymes. Yeah. yeah, and I think I, I think the um, Moore and and Ashton, what's his name? Hoocher. Hoocher. Yeah, I think they are Kabbalah. They're having marriage trouble, and they're saying their Kabbalah is going to pull them through that is what I saw on a headline. I don't know anything about it, but that's what I saw on a headline. Well, the Kabbalah doesn't uh, go Kapuda. Uh, Sun, Sun Young Moon, the Moonies. Ooh, the Moonies. That's a long, That's sort of going back. That's a flashback, that's, isn't it? Yeah, that's way back there. Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Dr. Hugh F. Pyle, a Baptist minister and teacher and author, writes in his book, The Truth About the Church of Christ, copyright 1977, and in his preference, he states they have picked out a good name for themselves. They call themselves the Church of Christ. They also have radio broadcasts. They conduct what they call gospel meetings. They print and distribute large quantities of religious literature. In many areas, they are accepted by the public as a reputable Christian church. Many of their people are nice, congenial folks. Alas, all that glitters is not gold. For these innocent buildings house a pernicious religious cult which has deceived countless thousands about God's way of salvation and the way to heaven. So I guess, Stephen then goes on, he says, I guess the definition of what constitutes a cult depends on what side of the fence one stands on. And by the way, his verbal attack on the church gets worse, much worse, that, that reference that he that he was citing. Okay. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, well, uh, Chris doesn't says uh, he does not care for the labeling of something as a cult. Any group that does not adhere to what Scripture says is not Christian and considered lost. We have an obligation to teach and evangelize the lost. We are to do this in love, realizing that a soul is in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that, that the Lord's people in the first century were called a sect, yeah, that's which, is the, which is the rough equivalent or synonymous with a cult. I mean, th- this accusation gets thrown around a lot, and so it's not new. And I, I think that Chris is right. If it's not biblical, it's not right. They're lost. Whether or not we want to put the tag on them that they're a cult uh, doesn't really matter in the long run. All right. Uh, Jim says... Christian scientist, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Seventh-day Adventist, I would even include the Catholic Church in this definition. That's interesting. All right. Uh, um, but again, back to what we said at the start, almost anybody, you, you, if you want to call that charismatic, charismatic leader that is followed, if, if you want to say, well, what about Jesus Christ? We all follow Jesus Christ. He's that leader we all submit to. 
and yeah. we and we adhere to his teachings. And so, so it's I mean, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to play with the the terminology, you can effectively categorize any religious group as a cult. But I think when we're talking cult, we're talking about some of the more specific characteristics that we identified. Uh, Guest ten asked if the Crossroads movement movement ever came close to being a cult. Remember the Crossroads, yeah. the Boston movement? Yes, I think they did. I think they came they, real they, close. They, that was a movement. With, that was a movement that branched out from within certain churches of Christ, yeah. and and there were a number of people who said that they were doing things that were quite cultish in nature. What was the name of the guy who did? Uh, Rod, uh, no, Kip McKean. Yeah, Kip McKean was in He's still Boston. at it. He's is still he? at it. He's out yeah. in California yeah. now. He has a sold out movement. I think is what he calls it. Um, and uh, Patrick says uh, Kabbalah is the mystic- mysticism of Judaism. Somehow it has become popular with ce- celebrities, yet it is strange that they follow Kabbalah while ignoring Orthodox Judaism. But Kabbalah, apart from Judaism, is nothing but New Age. Okay. All right. Thank you, Patrick. I, th- I, I had in my mind that it was connected somehow with Judaism, but I didn't know mm-hmm. the particulars. My, my um, reference is the Hare Krishnas. Uh, Hare Krishnas. Now, that's, Hare Krishnas is, that's Hinduism, isn't it? That, that yeah. would be my guess. I yeah. don't know a lot uh, about it. Oh, uh, okay. And then Patrick in the chat room adds, it's strange that celebrities are also obsessed with Buddhism, despite the fact that Buddhism is in many ways stricter uh, than Christianity, especially in regards to sexual practice. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this until he died the other day. Steve Jobs of Apple Computers was a Buddhist. Mm. Now, um MTP guest uh, says, I like what Gamaliel said in Acts chapter 5. If it is of men, it will fail. If it be of God, you cannot stand against it. There you go. And that's the that's the ultimate test of whether it's right or wrong. All right. Patrick says Gamaliel is one of few men, both Jews and Christians, respect to this day. Right. All right. So we've got some examples. We, we, we've identified what I think are some characteristics. There's some commonality here in all these comments, but there's obviously a lot of diversity it depends on who you ask as to what definition you're going to get of a cult. Um, I, I got another listing here from another source. Jacob, let me read this. Let's see. Yeah, let me read this to you. Okay. Uh, here are characteristics of a cult from another source that I found. Number one, a single charismatic leader. Number two, leadership often abuses power. Number three, members withdraw from society. Number four, no diversity allowed. Number five, strict obedience is physically enforced. Number six, suspicious of all non-believers. Number seven, personal responsibility relinquished uh, along the lines of brainwashing. and They wait to be told everything that they are to do. And although it may not be one of the things that identifies a cult while it's in existence, one of the commonalities of cults is a typically tragic end. Oh, well. We think of of Waco, Texas. We think of Guyana. And those would be classic examples of that tragic end of Cults. All right, to Mike, ask, would uh, we include Armstrongism? Anthony, do you know what that is? Is that the worship yeah. of uh, I thought Lance? That was Lance? I thought that no. was the yellow no. bar- bracelet. Herbert, Herbert W. Armstrong, Worldwide oh. Church of God. Patrick identifies Worldwide Church of God, and I think, yes, it would include that, too. I mean, it would fit many of those characteristics, but the well, Worldwide Church of God, Herbert W. Armstrong. You can let me down, Anthony. You're, you've been I on know. it tonight. Nah, that one I've not heard of. Let, right. Let's take our halftime break and uh, come back. We want to talk about now, do you think Mormons fit what we've been talking about? All right, we'll take a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue after these important messages. <laughs> 
Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In his final words to the Israelites, Moses recounted the commands that God had given on Mount Sinai, and he urged them to realize that everything the Lord had commanded them to do was in their own best interest. Deuteronomy 6 verse 24 says, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. The subsequent history of Israel bears witness to the truthfulness of Moses' statement. So long as they faithfully followed God's will, things went well for them. But when they neglected their duty and turned away from his law, they always suffered awful consequences. The statement that Moses made so many years ago is still true today. Some may ask, why did God command this? Or, what is the purpose of that? The simple answer is that it's for our good. God did not make the rules just because he wanted to flex his divine power. He didn't order us to do various things simply to test us or torment us. Instead, he established his law because he knows us. He created us. He knows what's best for us, and he desires that everything go well for us. Think about some of God's laws and see that they are, quote, for our good always. Consider his prohibitions against drunkenness, adultery, lying, stealing, murder, and so forth. By keeping from these evils, we are ensuring our own well-being. On the other hand, meditate upon his commands to study, pray, love our spouses and children, treat others as we want to be treated, and so forth. Each of these, when fully obeyed, leads to happiness and joy in our lives. God loves us. His commands are a real manifestation of that love. Let us show our love for him by obeying his law faithfully. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back, and we appreciate you for being back with us as well. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And better yet, come and visit with us anytime you have an opportunity. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7 for worship and Bible study, and we welcome you at any of these services. If you have any questions about what we believe or what we practice, send us an email and give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. If you hear something on the program, if you listen to us in the archive version, we would welcome you to contact us as well using those numbers and that email address if you have something you'd like to discuss with us. And if you have a topic suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome those as well. Jacob, uh, we're talking about cults tonight specifically because it's been in the news in the last few days. We're analyzing what is a cult, and we want to talk about whether or not the Mormons fit that characteristic. We've gotten a longer email from Patrick. He came in a little bit late, but he's really done a lot of good work here in trying to identify a cult. So let me read this real quick. Patrick's in the chat room, too. Thanks for your participation tonight, Patrick. He says, I think we should define the term cult to avoid ambiguity. The proper meaning of a cult is, from Webster's Dictionary, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Wikipedia says the total, the totality of external religious practice and observance, the neglect of which is the definition of impiety. The popular understanding of the word cult is from Webster, quote, a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister, Wikipedia says, quote, a pejorative term for a group of whose beliefs or practices are considered abnormal or bizarre. So in short, the proper meaning of cult is synonymous with religion and any religious practice, whether it be Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Wicca, etc., would be a cult under this definition. 
However, the second definition, which is more appropriate to the discussion tonight, is harder to define because it is highly subjective. What seems strange or sinister may vary from person to person. However, there are some categories cults are placed into, such as Wikipedia mentions a cult of personality, which is a political leader and his following, a destructive cult, a group which exploits and destroys its members or even non-members, a suicide cult, a group which practices mass self-destruction, a political cult, a political group which shows cult-like features, cult following, a term used to refer to a group of fans who are highly dedicated to a specific area of pop culture. Uh, he says there's a good in-depth article on Wikipedia. Just go to Wikipedia and type in cult. Uh, he says here are some quotes. Uh, From an Orthodox Christian perspective, a cult is a group of people who follow one man or a group's spiritual teachings and practices that, when compared with Orthodox Christian doctrine, always contradict them, as well as exalt the group's own unique religious perspective as the only way to truly serve God. Uh, From another source here, uh, religio.de, I don't know what that is. He gives a link there, but he says, Cult, any group which deviates from biblical Orthodox historical Christianity that is, they deny the deity of Christ, his physical resurrection, his personal and physical return to earth and salvation by faith alone. Another quote, uh, the specific Christian definition of a cult is, quote, a religious group that denies one or more of the fundamentals of biblical truth. So, again, that just sort of summarizes what we've talked about so far. Uh, gives a little more, maybe uh, a few more ideas. Let's, let's just deal with this question. Does Mormonism fit the characteristics of cult? Um, Mike in Indiana says, yes, they believe Satan, Jesus and Satan are brothers. They believe in inspired revelation, revelation. In addition to the Bible, they believe in modern prophets. You know, that's interesting. And I just came across a quote on that today, Mike. Uh, you know, one of the things that that was in this definition we just read from Patrick is that they have practices and beliefs that are considered abnormal or bizarre. Well, how about that, that they believe Jesus and Satan our brothers. Here's a quote. Um, this is in from a speech delivered at the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake City. Elder and Elder Andrew Jensen declared, "Thus we see that Lucifer, the son of the morning, is our elder brother and the brother of Jesus Christ. But he rebelled against God and was cast down from heaven with his angels. Mm. So uh, Jesus and Satan were brothers." He said. Um, Here's, here's another weird belief they have. This is from Brigham Young himself. Brigham Young says, quote, Jesus Christ was a polygamist. Mary and Martha, the sisters of, of Lazarus, were his plural wives, and Mary Magdalene was another. Wow. So, I mean, you, you begin to get the idea that uh, uh, there's just a lot of bizarre beliefs. They, you I, know, what? You know ahead, they sir. also believe that if you want uh, that a wife only gets to go to husband if her husband heaven if her husband wants her to, I think. And you've got to get married in a Mormon church if you want the wife to be able to go to heaven with you. To be your wife in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said in eternity we'll be like the angels, neither married nor given in marriage. Yeah. I was at, I went to, was it Tabernacle Square, is that they call it in South, in Salt Lake City? I assume that's probably right. Yeah, anyway, we were there one time. They were getting married like crazy there. I guess the, the wives made their husbands go and, so they could go to heaven with them. I was talking about some other weird views of Mormonism. Here's one on the Holy Spirit, Jacob. This is this was from uh, one of Mormon's uh, apostle Parley Pratt a century ago. He said, 
the Holy Spirit is in a class with magnetism or electricity. He's talking <laughs> about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in a class with magnetism or electricity. Uh, he, is, he is a divine fluid composed of material atoms or particles, or in other words, an impersonal energy or cosmic force through which God acts. I think they're mistaken. The Holy Spirit is like magnetism or electricity. All right. Uh, that's... Um Let's go to the phones and welcome Mike from Orleans, Indiana. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for calling tonight. Hey, uh, I, I just recently, uh, here about a month ago or so, got, uh, got done with a study with some Mormons again. That's probably about the fifth group or so that's come through and I've studied with. And, you know, this time, it, of course, as always, it, it usually ends in disappointment that you can't get people to, to look at things honestly. But one of the things that um, really strikes me, I guess, it's not unique to the Mormons, but it's it's a disappointing thing as well. But one of the one of the things that the Mormons will come at you very quickly uh, when you try to study, you know, they always want to come to your door and they want to study the Book of Mormon. And uh, as kind of a side note on that too, I, one of the things I've always noticed is when I when I start to feel like I've make, I'm making some progress and I'm asking questions that they're having difficulties answering, and you can start to see the gears turning in their mind. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but I mean, several times I've often had those. All of a sudden, those young men are transferred somewhere else. That happened and to I, us. I yeah, we've had that know, same I, experience. I don't know if that's typical, or or if the leadership is getting these questions and they're saying, "All right, you know, it's time for you to move on before you ask too many." I, you know, I don't know, but it's. I, I've, I've never had that confirmed, Mike, but I've had the same experience that if you have a study with some of these young Mormon missionaries that they call elders. And you and you challenge their thinking. Suddenly, they disappear, uh, and and that itself would be a cult-like characteristic. In other words, we want uniformity of of compliance and thought among the followers. And if anybody starts questioning things or has doubts, we need to get them out of the environment that's causing them to have any doubts about what they're supposed to believe and do. MTP guest in the chat room says same thing has happened to him. We had some. Uh, we had a couple that had agreed actually to come on the program, and they got transferred. Yeah, we we said earlier in the program that we had had occasion where we'd invited Mormons to come on. We had a couple of young Mormon missionaries right here in our immediate area that agreed to come on the program, and, and within days, because we had made the arrangement, and within days they were gone. They weren't in town anymore. When we tried to find them, we were advised that they weren't no longer in this area. Yeah, mysterious. Well, this, this- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say it's mysterious, Mike. Well, it, you know, the, the disappointing thing about this, this last study that I had was the longest study that I ever had with the elders, you know, coming into my home. And it actually lasted six months, but it was really about the equivalent of a, of a month-long study. And the reason that it took so long is because literally I went through like four or five pairs of elders that they would get transferred out. And so the questions that I was asking them to answer for me, uh, they that that elder, you know, Mormon elder would disappear, and then I'd have to start all the way back over at the beginning of the study with the next, with the next, uh, you know, group that came along, and and so it was kind of a frustrating study, really, in a way. I, I just wish that they would have, you know, given the time. But one of the things that you'll you'll notice right away with elders too is that they want to study the Book of Mormon, and uh, this last time, it was really interesting because I had two of them make a statement to me. Now they're they're coming into my home. They didn't know that I was, the, you know, that I preach or anything like that. I don't offer that information. I didn't lie to them, but I'm not going to offer it, you know, and have them run off. 
And uh, two of them made a statement to me. They said, well, you know, it seems like you, you know your Bible really well, but, you know, I don't know my Bible very well. And I think, you know, what Greg was saying earlier, um, that's one of the things that I noticed a lot uh, when I studied with the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses both, is they really, more so the Jehovah's Witnesses, but even the Mormons to a degree, one of the ways that they'll do is, is what I would call information control, because I was very strongly discouraged at reading anything that they would call writings from Christendom. You know, no, nothing that was non-Jehovah's Witness approved material. You were not supposed to read anything like that. And I think they knew that, that reading things like that would, you know, really cause... And again, Mike, that, that's a cultish type characteristic. Uh, no, or don't don't accept any information uh, that would even challenge or question what you believe. Which you know, the, we've said you know that the Church of Christ has been identified by various people as a cult, but we don't do that. I mean, we encourage people to engage in independent thinking because we believe that if they are honest and search the Scriptures diligently, we're going to come to a common understanding of the Word of God. We're not. A, the the you know the old expression the truth has nothing to fear from investigation has sort of been our byword. We we want people to investigate what we teach, to challenge it, to compare it to the scriptures, and see if it's so. Uh, you know, well, go ahead. Yeah, and and one of the things too with with the Mormons, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to be too hard on, them, but they're not honest either, in the sense that when you're studying with them, I think they're afraid that they'll offend you and they'll run off. But they'll tell you that they revere the Bible equal to the Book of Mormon, that the Bible is equal to that. However, Joseph Smith is their prophet that began, you know, where all this came from. And Joseph Smith, you can find quotes by Joseph Smith where he's degraded the Bible and says, you know, basically it's not a trustworthy book. And, and yeah, I've, like had, I've had Mormons tell me that, that if it was, and maybe it was, uh, a, an inspired, you know, revelation from God, but it's been corrupted through the centuries so badly that it's, it's it has lost all value today, because of the fact that it, through centuries of transmission it has been corrupted. Now there's some. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I interrupt you. No, that's okay. I'm kind of on a cell phone here, so it's a little, there's a little bit of a delay, but. One of the things that they rely a lot on, too, are their feelings. What they'll, what they'll do when they come in, they'll want you to read the Book of Mormon. They'll ask you to pray and have an honest heart and let, let the, you know, the Holy Spirit move you or speak to you and tell you that this is inspired Scripture. And, you know, one of the things, you know, one of the elementary things that I, I really always expect them to have an immediate comeback for, and it just never amazes me that they, they don't, because it's such an elementary principle, I, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, when Paul warned and he said that we preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Even okay. if an angel does, he yeah, said. Even if an angel, and of course, right, they believe that, that and they believe that Moroni, the angel Moroni, revealed these things to Joseph Smith. Exactly. And and my my question to them is always, okay, now let's look at this from. Uh, even just from Joseph Smith's standpoint or from our standpoint in history, if God has allowed those books of the Bible to be lost, now when they are so-called restored by the, by the Mormon Church through the Book of Mormon and things like this, um, how can I accept those books? Because Paul said, if there's any new stuff, reject it, yeah. even if an angel gives it to you. And that's exactly what happened to them. And the other side of it, and they never have an answer for that, and the other ironic side of this, too, 
is that what they'll do is they, they offer all these books, you know, the, the Book of Alma, and all along they'll, they'll read through all these books in the Book of Mormon. But the amazing thing is of all the, the, the books that they like to point out, there are certain books that are mentioned in the Bible that we do not have. We don't have any reason to believe that they were inspired books, but nonetheless, there are, you know, our books of Chronicles and things like that, the Book of Jasher that we don't have anymore today. But the amazing thing about the Mormon Church is that in spite of the fact that we've lost, you know, there's probably 15 or so books or maybe even 20 books listed in the Bible that we don't have, but the Mormon Church doesn't restore any of those books. They have brand new books. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they never have the same title. Mike, my, my challenge to the to the Mormons when I study with them, uh, I, I, I will study with them at any time and any place, but I want to study about just one thing, and that is I want them to present to me the evidence that proves that the writings of Joseph Smith are inspired of God. I've never had any of them take me up on that challenge. They want me to pray about it to get a, a subjective feeling as an answer, and I tell them, that's that's not satisfactory to me. I've had occasion to study with a number of atheists, and I don't ask an atheist to pray about whether or not the Bible is true. I present a logical case, evidence that leads to a conclusion, and try to convince them logically that these things are so. I don't ask them to pray about it. I don't ask them to wait for a subjective feeling. I give them evidence and ask them to draw a conclusion. I've challenged the Mormons to do the same thing with the writings of Joseph Smith. I've never had any of them that be willing to engage me in that pursuit. And uh, and so that, that if they won't do that, and I tell them that's that's our critical difference. We differ over the writings of Joseph Smith. And if you're unwilling to try and prove to me that they are inspired, we don't really have any place to go in a further study. So that's where we are. Hey, Mike, we got we got to run on and get these other questions. We appreciate your participation tonight. Yeah, I'm sorry for dominating the, no, the discussion No, no, glad tonight, you called guys, in. But, uh, glad you called right, in. Thanks a lot, guys. Good to hear from you, Mike. Thanks a lot. Uh, the number to call is 877-381-4567. We're going to go to the top of the hour, give you time to get your comments in, but we've got a lot of ground to cover as well, so don't go anywhere. We're going to go fast right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. 
Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We are studying God's Word, and we're comparing the Book of Mormon with it on the program tonight. Uh, Stephen in Georgia says Mormonism definitely fits the cult definition of a cult. Any church that backpedals on its founding teachings and has to uh, have had to write rewrite their text multiple times to cover gross errors is highly suspect. If it quacks like a duck, if it smells like a duck, you know the rest, he said. You know, that is one of the things, true. The Book of Mormon and several of the documents and writings that the Mormon Church uses as their basis of faith and practice have been revised numerous times. That's true. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says um, Mormonism fits the characteristics of a group that is not teaching what the Bible teaches and therefore is not Christian. Okay. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says simply, yes, it does. Um, in big letters. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some interesting stuff going on in, in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they're listening uh, to us. There's so much chatter going on. MTP Guest says, Baptists blame the Church of Christ for beginning the Mormon Church. I didn't know that. He says, I uh, can't remember the name of the man, but when Campbell and Stone began earnestly preaching baptism for remission of sins, this man was upset because he claimed to have preached it first. He left the movement and went and associated with Joseph Smith. Many Baptist theologians claim he helped Smith start Mormonism, thus blaming the Church of Christ for starting Mormonism. I've never heard that. Uh, I have to research that one. Yeah. All hey. right. All right. Uh, we got one last question. Oh, oh, well, we really got two more. We're going to have to hustle, Jacob. We're not going to. Cult or not, what are the fundamental flaws of Mormonism? Uh, polygamy, uh, Mike this, says. This, this is Mike. Go, go, Jay. Polygamy, modern temple worship, lack of biblical elders. They claim they respect the Bible, but I have recently had two Mormon elders admit to me that when they came to study that they didn't know their Bibles very well. They believe each man will become a god. They believe that there's a chance for a man to be saved even after death. They believe Jesus came to America to convert Indians to Christianity or to their version of it. With no proof other than the Book of Mormon. They believe God is a God of flesh in spite of the fact the Bible calls him a spirit, and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He references John 4.24 and 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. And obviously, Mike, as he was just on the phone with us, Mike has spent a lot of time studying with the Mormons. He knows a lot about what they teach. No, I mean, Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did Christopher Columbus find a lot of uh, Indian Christians here or Mormons when he came? Not to my knowledge. No no historical reference to that. Uh, uh, Stephen says the fundamental flaw of Mormonism is that they think the Bible in and of itself is not sufficient to get me to heaven. What they're saying, that no one from Christ's day till the Book of Mormon came in the early 1800s had enough information to become a saved individual. I have a problem with that. Another flaw of Mormonism is that there is absolutely no archaeological evidence ever discovered on American soil that supports any evidence of an early exodus to the Americas. And if it were so, then there would be some clear evidence of it in the Jewish writings. There are none. And they were not called Mormons first in Antioch, Acts uh, 11.26. And no, I would not vote for one based on what's being uh, on that. That's being number five. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, Chris uh, says... But, you know, what Stephen says, i got to say, is right. I mean, the fundamental flaw of Mormonism is that they believe in something other than the Bible. They they claim to believe the Bible, but they believe in, in an extra-biblical revelation. And, and the Bible that, precludes being able to have anything like the Book Galatians of Mormon. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. Exactly. Uh, Chris says, uh, from my brief study, here are a few of the flaws. They believe the Bible is the Word of God, but they believe the Book of Mormon is correct. They believe Jesus... It's more correct. It's yeah. more correct. They believe Jesus and Satan were brothers, that they both had a plan of salvation. God liked Jesus' plan better. They believe in baptism for the dead. Uh, they believe God used to be a man. 
The major flaw is they believe the Book of Mormon, the book, the Bible is our final authority, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. This scripture does say that, there, that they were to wait for 18... Uh, the scripture does not there, say yes. that they were to wait for 1,800 more years to get another book yep. on another continent that's more complete. Right. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, Cult or not, uh, what's wrong with Mormonism? It's claimed that the Bible is corrupted. It's belief that only Mormons are true disciples of Jesus because they were... Because before there were any Mormons, all people had to have been lost. However, the main problem is that they refused to believe in, in the divine nature of Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. All right. All right. What we got? We got just a few minutes left here. Now, now, so uh, I, I think to summarize that question, what's the fundamental flaw of Mormonism? They don't accept the Bible as the exclusive and complete revelation of God to mankind. And, uh, and and therefore, all these other practices like baptism for the dead, uh, polygamy, uh, you know, Jesus uh, was the brother of Satan, uh, you know, all that kind of weird stuff. The Holy Spirit is like magnetism or electricity. There, all of that comes from the fact that they don't believe that the Bible is the exclusive and complete, uh, infallible, inspired Word of God. All right. Now you want to delve into pure judgment calls. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, I, I want to read a comment that Patrick made in the chat room. He said, pray for Mormons. I believe these are truly devoted people. I do, too. Yes. They are obviously devoted. I mean, they're young people devote two years of their lives to leave home and go out and try to spread the message. I mean, they are commendable in this way. They are simply misled. I, I agree. Of course, I personally believe that about other groups as well. But the Latter-day Saints Church is particularly off base. Even Baptists, with whom I have many theological disagreements, are like day and night in regard to orthodoxy and heterodoxy compared to LDS. Uh, 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 guess 10. 10. Yeah. Two types of people seem to reach the Mormons better, those who befriend them and show the compassion for them, and at the same time or soon after, those who really know the original languages and can show them step at a time what God's Word really says. I may add also that those who have researched the original or, or the origins of the Mormon church and have had proof of these origins that can really open up their eyes. Okay. All right. Um, let's go to this last question. Would you vote for a presidential candidate who's Mormon? We're not talking Mitt Romney or John Huntsman or any specific individual. It could be anybody. We've got a candidate. He's been nominated by his party to run for president, and he is a Mormon. You need, Could you vote for him? Do we need to put any disclaimers on here that this is going to be some judgment? Uh. I, I'm, I'm saying, could you vote for him? That's what I'm asking. I'm That's asking your answer judgment. of judgment. Yeah. Okay, Mike in Orleans says, uh, yes, if he had the leadership qualities I'm looking for to run the country, I would vote for him simply because I'm not given the choice to vote for a Christian with those qualities. I really do not see a Mormon as being any more dangerous in office or maybe less so than a mainstream denominational right-wing conservative. Not in many ways. I honestly believe a part of the reason we are in the Middle East is because of groups like the Christian Coalition uh, that endorse, endorses and promotes premillennialist candidates who feel we need to support Israel because we have a relationship uh, with yeah, the pages stuck together here. Yeah. I need to yeah with them and because they are God's chosen people. Let's remember we shouldn't vote our religion in this case. Even being a Christian would not alone make someone qualified to run our country. Besides, if it is legislating morality we are talking about, that cannot be done. Passing a law may make some people obey it, but it cannot make them moral. Okay, so Mike says he could. Okay. Uh, uh, Stephen, it says no. He, he said, no, I wouldn't vote for one based on, on that. 
being a plus, about being a Mormon. Chris from Atlanta, Georgia says, I would not withhold my vote from someone simply because they are Mormon. As much as is possible, I'll try and look at the whole person to determine if they would legislate in a manner that lines up with my beliefs and principles. Okay, and Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee says, yes, I would vote for a man who was a Mormon. I do not believe one's belief or non-belief in God in and of itself is reason to reject a person. One can claim to be a Christian and not obey the scriptures. <coughs> what difference is that than one who does not believe and does not obey? So looks like the majority of those who emailed us said yes. If, if you're in the chat room, we've got a number of people still in the chat room, just type in yes or no. You don't have to give any explanation. Would you, could you vote for a Mormon for president? Just everybody in the chat room, real quick, just type in yes or no, and we'll get a sort of a, a unofficial poll going. Let me tell you where I stand on that. I, I have not said that I won't vote for one of these Mormon candidates, but I'm real close to making that determination. And here's my reason why. Jacob, on occasions where I've had an opportunity to go overseas preaching the gospel, I have invariably run into Mormon missionaries there. Again, this speaks of their devotion. Okay. Uh, these young men will even go to foreign countries to spread their message. The Mormons desperately want to be considered mainstream. I mean, in their whole history. I mean, read the history of Joseph Smith. It is bizarre. And from the very beginning and all through the history of the Mormon church, they have been considered as, uh, you know, out of bounds, odd, extremely odd. They want badly to gain acceptance as a normal part of Christianity. And uh, so can you imagine if the president of the United States was elected, and he's a Mormon. Don't think that for a minute those those missionaries wouldn't would hold back that information. They'd be over in all those foreign countries and in other places. And say this is absolutely normal stuff. The president of the United States, after all, is a Mormon. They'd be using that as a propaganda tool to promote their cause. And for that reason, I have some reservations uh, about that. I, you know, so how would it be different? Someone in, has asked, how would it be different to vote for, say. Uh, uh, a Presbyterian. You know, we, we studied with that Presbyterian preacher from Nashville, and they're all in favor of promoting homosexuality. How would it be different to, to vote for a Presbyterian who doesn't believe the truth of God on lots of points and a Mormon? I'm going to tell you, the Presbyterians are not going to use that as a propaganda tool to promote their denomination. I'm, I'm certain that the Mormons will, and that's my reservation. That's interesting. I mean, that's, that's an interesting take, and it, it makes sense. Um, perhaps... Uh, well, we've got, we've got to get different views in the chat room, some no's. Uh, real quick, i got Patrick uh, who in his email said, I would consider voting for a Mormon. The United States is not a theocracy. There's no religious test for the presidency. I judge a candidate based upon his individual merits and how they line up with my beliefs, particularly moral beliefs. If he believes in implementing policies that line up with Christian moral teaching, then I would consider him for a vote. I'm a Catholic. I would most like to see a devout Catholic as president, but I would sooner vote for an upstanding atheist than a heretical Catholic. So if a Mormon is the best man for the job, he has my vote. So I, I think we're getting probably a lot of a, a lot of the thinking is probably yes. I think from the chat room uh, right. and from the emails. Yeah, the chat room. Boy, the chat room has been busy tonight. It's been an interesting discussion. Anthony, have you been keeping up with all the chatter there? I I think I sort of have. I've been contributing to it maybe more so Here, than I should. Here's yes, no, no, yes, no. Well, uh, unofficial any, poll has it three to two. <laughs> no, yes. Anthony, anything that you've gleaned from the chat room that's worth sharing tonight? 
Um, no, I think we. I think you guys did a good job of keeping on top of the chat room. We, we've actually completely digressed a few of us into a completely unrelated discussion about Catholicism and 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 transubstantiation. So we don't want to get into that. We don't have any time left. All right. Well, yeah, we could. <laughs> somebody said that. Uh, Don Kennedy uh, was uh, Catholic. Don Kennedy. Yeah, there was a lot of fear, from what I understand, when he was elected. Yeah, I remember my grandmother, who was a devoted Democrat, uh, because she she really loved Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who she claimed brought the country out of the Depression. She voted Democrat exclusively. But when John Kennedy was running and he was a Catholic, she couldn't bring herself to vote for a Catholic, but she would never vote for Republicans, so she just didn't vote. But, I mean, that, that was a, an issue... 50 years ago or more, and uh, so that just shows how times change. All right. Well, it's been a good discussion. We appreciate all of the participation. Dad, thank you uh, for the time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Anthony, behind the controls, uh, appreciate uh, your job well done. Uh, thanks. It's good to be back. Good to be with you tonight, and uh, thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We encourage you to be back here this week, this time next week, for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.